the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Happy VD Day. That's right. It's Venereal Disease Day. No, 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 no. It's what? Oh, it's Valentine's Day. Oh, it's not VD Day. Oh, that's tomorrow. Dun, dun, dun. I'll be here all day. Don't forget to try the veal. Tip, we're writers and waitresses. So anyway, it's Valentine's Day. It's a $20 billion holiday. It's it's a funny day because I remember, do you remember the, the candies, the little hearts that taste like chalk when you're a kid? Do you remember doing Valentine's at school? And there was actually, you didn't care. You had to like do 25 of them the night before school. And you forgot to do them, so you rushed through them all. And you're like, Timmy, uh, Jim, nah, Tony, nah. and you just rush through them all. But there's one Valentine that you want to write, and it's like, Shetty. And you like you key in on the one person. You're like, Mom, let's give her more chocolate. Let's give her lots of chocolate. Let's give this. And like, Mom goes, do you like her? No, 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 no. I just, uh. So there's like this big psychological thing about Valentine's Day as a kid, right? I remember, uh, I think I wrote a poem. Uh-huh. No, no, she wrote a poem to me because I was kind of all that in a bucket. Chicken women wrote poems about me. You know, you know, as that kid in school, golden blonde hair, blue eyes, six pack abs. <clears throat> okay, maybe not those. Um, I played soccer. I had, I had legs of a Trojan. Thank you, thank you. People often said statuesque legs. Um, but she wrote a poem when I, I seven, seven, seven year olds, eight year olds old. She wrote, "I love you, a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck." And she gives it to me, and I go, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is plagiarized. <laughs> Wrong thing to say to a girl saying that she wants to give you a hug around your neck. Anyhow, we're talking love and marriage. We're talking about money and investing and other issues. We're talking about saying it makes it true. I think that's a big thing. That's why you give someone a card with a poem in it. Let's hear someone say how much they love someone for an example. Tom Cruise is in love? That was with Katie Holmes, is the unfortunate part of that story. And that was a couple cycles ago. Um, keep in mind, he also was in love with the Australian actress. Nicole Kidman. Every time I hear Australian, I just like, I'm an Australian. And I make stuff that cures things. Alligator gizzards kills cancer. Alligator gizzards cure cancer. Yes, but you have to beat them up first. Anyhow, love, money, and second marriages. It happens. Today, more than 40% of weddings involve a bride or groom who have been married before. We've talked about young love already for an hour. Now we're talking about older love. A lot of couples start to pay closer attention to their wedding day budget. But the second marriage is the interesting one. Because you bring baggage from the first marriage in. The first one, it's all about the romance and we're going to do this. The second one is, it, sometimes you, it's the, you get it right. 
oftentimes you don't. The divorce rates pick up, but sometimes you do find the person that the first person wasn't. So why is talking money so difficult for people? And it gets very behavioral psychology. And I just want you today to take a little bit of time to figure out what money means to you. I think for a lot of people, it means security. For some people, it means control. For others, power. For some, independence. Isn't it crazy how much money... Like when I say money equals independence, you're like, yeah, I get it, I get it. Money equals control. Oh, I've been there too. Money equals security. All I want to do is live from age 60 to 100 and eat corn chips with my loved one. Sometimes money equals self-worth. Sometimes money equals love. People love money. Money, money, money. Right? So money has a lot of emotions tied towards it, and you become better with money when you get those emotions out. Or at least to learn how to handle those emotions truly to themselves. Conflict resolution skills apply to money discussions. Um, I, I don't want to say a lot of my fights in relationship have been about money, but I bet they have been. Men and women approach money differently. Men and women approach sex differently. Men and women approach security differently. Power, control, independence. For a man to be independent probably means something in your head that you're listening to right now than versus a woman being independent. What is financial independence in this day and age, too? Um, all I wanted was my own opinion as a kid. Never had it. I wanted, you know, my dad hated, you know, people who dyed their hair, so I wanted to dye my hair, like. I just wanted my own opinion. It wasn't his. But you can see how money gets us all riled up about control, power, independence, self-worth, love. And again, it's really super important that you figure out, are you a spender or a saver? Are you a scrimper? I used to be a scrimper. When I got into financial media, I would find out ways of like, how can I not pay for a commercial and yet get a commercial? I figured out everything I could do. One of the sexiest things you could do is when you learn what type of person you are, spender, saver, scrimper, dreamer. And there's people that I talk to on a regular basis who he's like, they're like, my spouse just doesn't get it. Um, and they get frustrated because they, they, they never got on that sexy philosophy of like, what do you think about life? What do you think about money? Do you use a budget? Do you balance a checkbook? Do you save receipts and file them? Do you have different types? Have you ever hidden an account from someone? <laughs> How much cash do you carry? Do you regularly charge your purchases or do you pay for them in cash? I'm okay with credit cards. You know what bothers me? Is when my loved one uses a credit card without rewards tied towards it. I'm like, why are you using that one? And yeah, I get it. Like we have a Banana Republic card for... Banana Republic, Gap, Old Navy, all that stuff. They give you great rewards. We have a Hilton card for Hilton because they give you great rewards. So I don't want using you know Banana Republic card to get a hotel. You know what I'm saying? But it, it does piss me off when I see people use debit cards. It pisses. It, it angry. It gives me a like a, a, a vitriol snake like response. I want to spit. You should be able to share secrets with your partner like your income. And each person's income expectations. Otherwise, you're not really talking about it. I know a man who got remarried and he expected his wife to go back to work. And she expected to not go back to work. 
He was a big bread winner. She ha- she did good. And they got married. What are you doing at home? What are you doing at home? Like eating bonbons and watching soap operas? I call them my stories. So what are you doing at home? I'm eating bonbons and watching my stories. It's amazing soap operas are still on. Talking about something that should have died long ago. Like in the 1950s. Spending habits. How much does each partner have saved? I go over, you know, the president does the state of the union address every year. I go over the state of our finances address every year. Where I go back, look at all the bills. I saw it do the bills trend higher or lower. I go back, look at all the spending, spending trend higher or lower. And I, I do a visual chart. I do a visual layout. This is what it is. We're good. And then I was like, I'll tell you next year if we're still good or not, but I, I'm assuming we're still going to be good. And it's a way of talking to my spouse, my, my partner about like, you don't want to get too complicated, but you don't want to be too simple, but you don't want to avoid it, but you want to be responsible. So I, I, if you can't talk money, you can't be in love, in my opinion. Happy venereal disease day. No, no, no. Happy Valentine's day. But for those with venereal diseases, have a happy day too. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. One of my favorite billionaires is Mark Cuban. He was asked, what do you give a billionaire for Valentine's Day? And... um Says definitely not chocolates. Now keep in mind Warren Buffett likes giving the C's candies, right? <clears throat> Dueling billionaires. <clears throat> but he said definitely not chocolates. He doesn't want anything material. It's kind of interesting. You get to a point where you don't want anything material in your life. Somewhere around forty five, I was like, I don't need anything ever again. Buy me an buy me a, a beer. I was gonna say have a cigarette with me, but I don't smoke. <laughs> have a scotch with me. Like, do something nice. Because Mark Cuban truly thinks kindness goes a long way to paying off. He says, nice sells. Underrated skills in business right now is being nice. <clears throat> He's 61 years old. He said, early on in my career, I was like, bam, 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 bam. I might curse. I might get mad. It didn't really pay off. Be nice. Don't yell at people. Science backs that claim in theory. Um, in the end of the day, people are jerks. It comes back to haunt them. Don't be a jerk on Valentine's Day. Be nice. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the area. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I'm staying with love a little bit. Because I can tell you the two biggest mistakes I made when in love about money procrastination and bad advice. You don't really want to procrastinate now that your two people are living in one household instead of two households. This is when you, this is a good time for you. You want your money to make money. You want to invest it. You want to invest it to last until you die. You want it to invest it. So it can pay you nicely when you stop working at 60. So there's a lot of ways of thinking about this. First thing you need to do is get a budget. Next thing you need to write down some of the issues. Then you have to, you know, show you 
my bills and I'll show you mine kind of thing. Um, student loans a big thing. I know some people who won't get married because their, their, their loved one has student loan debt. Listen to this one. I knew someone who came out of college, did the adulting thing, got an apartment with a guy, paid off all of his student debt. He got engaged to her. She paid off $30,000 of his student debt. Got engaged at Disneyland. I said, ooh, this story's going to get ugly, isn't it? Because <laughs> anyone who gets engaged at Disneyland, you're, you worry me. Mexico is fine. Hawaii is fine. Disneyland, no bueno. There's children around. Act like an adult somewhere else. Um, and then she eventually was like, I'm going to dump him because all he does is sit around and watch his keeping on with the Kardashians. And she realized that after about seven years and paying off $30,000 of his debt. Ouch. That one would hurt. Procrastination is a bad thing. Getting bad advice is another one. If you fall in love with someone and you're in a, a fiscal situation with them, and he says, my buddy, my buddy sells insurance. Uh-oh. Watch out for that one. Watch out with people who are like, um, okay, I'll give you a good example. Um, I fell in love with someone who had a previous stockbroker with her previous husband. And he was a bad stockbroker. And there's good stockbrokers and bad stockbrokers, right? And again, I'm not saying like there's good mechanics, bad mechanics, good doctors, bad doctors. Um, but he gave bad advice. He put in a lot of like, well, I'm going to put you in a lot of mutual funds that are 6% because they're good funds. I make a lot of money. He won't say I make a lot of money. He says, they're good funds. They got nice paperwork. And she's like, okay, my, my ex said this is good, so I'm going to do this. Sometimes that kind of bad advice from kind of an inherited loved one is no bueno. Um, you'll make mistakes if you do nothing as a couple. And that stinks because you're like, I'm focusing on love. I'm the first year we're going to, you know, we're going to have such passion in the first year and you need to start talking about money. Um, some people don't understand deadlines. I've got good friends who their spouses are like, let's just live and go on vacation. Let's just get new iPhones. I'm like, have you done your 401k? Have you maxed it? Nope. My spouse doesn't want me to. She wants a vacation, then a new iPhone. I'm like, y'all are, y'all are doomed. This is going to end badly. Let's talk again about wedding day dollars. Weddings are expensive. You don't have to pay for the day forever to remember the day forever. Um, that's one of the very, very first things I've ever seen go wrong. Um, some good financial tips for young people is pay yourself first. If she has a 401k and you have a 401k or it's a 403b or a 403b or 457, or let's just say none of those apply to you. Both of you should be saving 5, 10, 15% of your salary. Way too often. I've seen this one. This is sad. This is a sad Valentine's Day story. Get, out, get ready for the sad trombones. So during the relationship, he maxed out his 401k and she paid for the vacations. Now let me stop that one. Stop that one right there. He maxed out his 401k. And yeah, they had enough money left over to save for vacations from her paycheck, but she didn't max out hers because then they wouldn't have enough money to save. 
So after five or six years, the relationship starts to sour. I love you, I love you, turns into I hate you, I can't stand you. They split up and he's got a big fat 401k and she's got nothing. Try not to be that couple. A couple more things. Pay yourself first. Never invest in life insurance. Um, Prioritize your goals as a couple. You both need emergency funds or you need one between you. Try to live more responsibly. I know in my 20s I did more stupid spending than all 30s, 40s, and 50s put together. In my 20s, I'm like, hey, I hear Peter Gabriel's got a concert in Miami, and I could get front row seats. Let's go! And, like, next thing you know, you're on a plane, and you're on a, like, you do a lot of dumb stuff, and I get it. Try to grow out of it. Um, make savings a habit as a couple. And I don't know, do you have a bill payer in your family? My dad was the bill payer. My mom didn't know a thing about the bills. He dies. She has to learn about him. That's not a good way to learn. Happy Valentine's Day. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Debt is a big stress on relationships. We're talking Valentine's Day love. I want you to be happy. It's my goal. I want you to get to retirement. I want to see you dancing in the purple rain. I want nothing but good things. Did he just say dancing in the purple rain? <laughs> yes, I want to see you dancing in the purple rain, and I don't know what that means. But debt is a big issue, and it's something like it's really, um, there's not going to be a lot that messes up you and your loved one. You'll talk to each other if you relate, put in relating back into relationships. But like some people with debt, and I, I'm still stunned by this. I have friends who know what I do for a living and um, be like, yeah, they just got their kid a bike. And I'm like, did you pay cash, debit, charge, reward card? You're paying off? What you doing? That's a lot of money, $4,000 for a bike. Um, keep in mind, the guy has a $250,000 McLaren. Buys his kid a $4,000 bike. Um, and the kid will outgrow the bike in about two years. Just run out there. There's something called used bikes and thrift stores. Craigslist. But couples get in trouble when they... Like have massively different approaches. And you will too. And this isn't just about couples. But people pay their minimum on their debt. I don't get. Don't buy the damn thing. Don't buy whatever it is you have to buy that you're going to have to finance it for six months on a credit card. You don't need it. You don't need a $4,000 bike. A cruise. A friend of mine. This is, It kills me. I'm so sad when I bring this up. Him and his wife spend too much. And they're like, we're going to pay off Christmas for the next two or three months. <clears throat> and then in February, they're like, we're going to go on a cruise. We're going to pay that off for the next few months. I'm like, that's six months of credit card payments that they're paying, quote unquote, off. I'm sorry, but you're, you're doing it wrong. You get an F. You may get an A in romance and love, but you get an F in fiscal love. That's not a lot of respect for each other. Um, savings accounts are okay. But I'm not crazy about a savings account that um, I'm talking checking account and savings account. I think couples should have, you know, multiple approaches to where they store their cash or where they store their money, where they store their investments. But for me, I think a savings account, it's okay as long as it's like your emergency fund 
or a savings account that is like, this is going to be our house fund. There was some guy who did a radio show. I forget his name, but he used to talk about buckets of money. And his whole thing was like, well, one bucket is your retirement. One bucket is your income that's going to be feeding your retirement. One bucket is your house money. He didn't even have a southern accent. I'm just, I'm embellishing because it's good storytelling. And my daddy always said. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's good to have that kind of approach. So like for, I was talking about savings versus checking accounts. I'm not a big fan of savings account for large chunks of money that just sits there and do nothing. Unless that's your emergency account. Whereas you may be in love with someone who's like, well, that's what my daddy did. I'm just doing what my daddy did. My daddy's a smart man. Do you not like my daddy? Do you think my daddy's dumb? And you go, you say that. And then suddenly she goes, I need a new boyfriend. I need a new husband. Um, anyway, I'm digressing. Oh, student debt. I think that's something you do have to have that talk about with a loved one. Cause you don't want to inherit it. Like I told you, I know someone who literally paid for the vacations while he was saving up in his 401k. And you know what? I think he knew it. I could tell you another young couple. Um, she works in TV. Very glamorous looking. A little older than she looks. Dating a slightly older guy who's basically set for life. They're not commingling funds, but they're living his lifestyle, not hers. So let's say she's making 85 to 100 in the Bay Area. That's not a lot of money in the Bay Area. But if she's living in his apartment and they're going on vacations and she's like suddenly, well, I'm not paying rent and I can throw more money. here. She's not saving, though. She's still caught up in the lifestyle, chasing the lifestyle. So um, because he's slightly older, they kind of have a sexy relationship going on. He's got the money and he's, she's got the looks and they travel a lot. But... She's going to find out that she's not saving. That, too, is very, very important. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's say you do have credit issues. Do you know what the prime rate is? Do you know what a fixed rate is? Do you know what a fixed APR is? Do you know what a variable rate is? Do you know what late payments are? You should have some basic knowledge with each other on money. And that's all I'm going to talk about. Now go out and have a good Valentine's Day. Spend a lot of money. Did you know this? The five biggest nights, or the ten biggest nights for restaurants in a year, none of them are Valentine's Day. I would have thought, in like conventional wisdom in my head, would have been like, restaurants, they, 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 they're screwing with people. They're doing these pricks, three pricks. What is a pricks meal? They're making us buy stuff that we don't want to buy. Their desserts aren't that good. I would have gone with a chocolate shake instead of these frit for rolls. What's a frit for all? So restaurants don't actually make a lot of money on Valentine's. Their busiest nights of the year are Saturdays. Interesting. Maybe uh, Valentine's people, they're going to a show, and maybe it's kind of an early crowd. Babysitters involved. Suddenly it's a big night out. The average night out for Valentine's in San Francisco is about $480 when you factor in dinner, a show, transportation. I'm like, that sounds cheap. Now, keep in mind, I'm, I'm, I look at everything financially, and that's why I don't like holidays. If holidays were about holidays, I get it. 
if you had to make a craft for your loved one, like a bookshelf for Valentine's Day, it would be my favorite holiday of the year. Because a, a good sign of love is a good, sturdy bookshelf. I know a dude, listen to this crazy story. He made her a tortilla press. A tortilla press. He, he got the wood, he got the mechanics, he, he figured it all out. Her mom made tortillas and had a tortilla press. She's crazy about the gift. That's the type of Valentine's Day I'd love instead of here. here I'd rather I'd rather tell my loved one, here's $500. Do you want $500 cash or do you want a night out? Because it's goofy. It's the worst night to go out to dinner. You're seeing everyone in love. You're talking about, oh, look at them. They look like they're in love. Very expensive night out. Try not to do it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, I don't know. Let's talk about your approach with your parents' money versus your approach with money. My dad had my mom on an allowance. It's so surreal to think about. I probably have some of that still lingering in my head. He had the paycheck. They had a checking account, but I don't think she really ever dealt with that. She was given checks that if she had to write a check, she could. But I don't think she ever like got to deposit the money in the checking account. And you know, he would say, okay, here's $600 cash for all the kids' food and groceries and stuff like that. And back then, $600 would probably get close to the month or $800. But very unhealthy. Also, I remember my dad would um, make my mom sign the taxes without seeing them. So he would do the taxes. And he was one of those guys that he did not have a clean desk. He had a desk with stacks of paper on it. Stacks and stacks and stacks. And in the last second, he'd slide it to her and say, here, sign the taxes. So, I don't know. You know, I don't think that's a healthy relationship on money. So I grew up looking at a non-healthy relationship on money. Now, he did have a pension plan, which was a wonderful gift after he died. She never, quote-unquote, worked a day in her life for a W-2 age. That's not totally true, but close. But she did raise six kids. Uh, so in the last 20 years, 25 years of him being gone, she still gets a paycheck from his work that he put in, 30 years. Um. So there, there's some things there. She still calls him the love of his life, a love of her life, even though he's been dead for a long time. Um, but the relationship your parents have, you should probably look at that a little bit and figure how far you fell from that. The biggest one with me is I saw my dad work till the day he died. I, I didn't want to be that guy. I saw my dad um, basically tired of working for so long that he probably just wanted to sit on the couch at some point in time and not work with kids. But six kids will tire a man out, and then working in the military will tire a man out. So my approach has been different. I want to enjoy my kids because I know they're at one point in time they're going to leave. And when they leave, I want to be happy about it, knowing that I gave them a lot of good experiences that hopefully they're smart enough to use. One of the stories I tell my kids is nothing good happens after midnight. It used to be nothing good happens after 2 a.m., but I've, I've kind of cheated and made it midnight just to kind of like impress out on them. They go, Dad, what happened to you after midnight? 
And I go, it involved alcohol, police, and let's just say a dog. And it, none of that happened. But it's a good lesson to leave on a kid. So anyway, I am digressing. Happy Valentine's Day. Money, love, and much, much more. So anyway, look at how your parents handled money and look at how your parents handled you. And I think that's an important way of starting to think about your relationship with money. I saw my dad work till the day he died. You know what I said when I was 18? I don't want to work till the day I die. I was 25 when my dad died, but my dad was still working. You know what would have been the best gift ever? Had my dad not worked till the day he died. Had he got to enjoy a couple of those years afterwards? Anyhow, I'm Rob Black. He would have been a good grandfather. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com or newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So stick with me on this for a second, Meatloaf. He's got a fascinating autobiography. Because he kind of went through that whole rock and roll diva, king of the world thing. In the 70s and 80s, where it was okay to vomit on people. Now it's no longer okay. The name Meatloaf came from his football coach when he was a kid, called him Meatloaf because he looked like a big fat kid who looked like Meatloaf. His first band was called Meatloaf Soul. So it was a nickname that stuck. What's interesting is when he first got to a recording studio, he hit a note so high it blew a fuse on the recording monitor. Immediately, three record executives said, I will sign you on spot. And he said, nope, I got to go work this stuff out and figure out what I'm going to do. So instead of kind of rocketing to fame, he kind of was like trying to like build into it. It's a good business lesson. Now, the big question is, in this song, he says, I would do anything for you, but I won't do that. And by the way, I do like biographies on music. Like, if you give me a book on the MTV VJ's best stories in the 1980s and 90s, I love that stuff. Meatloaf explains what that is. It's line before the chorus, of course. And he goes, it's nine times. It's before the chorus. And he says, okay, here's what it is. What do you want me to know? I'll never stop dreaming of you. That's Meatloaf in his own words. He says that the clues in the song, I'll never stop dreaming of you. Every night of my life, I'll do anything for you but I won't stop dreaming of you. It's not that hard of a mystery. And yet we've made it the Rubik's cube of, of music mysteries of what won't he do? He says it in the song. I'll never stop dreaming of you every night. The next line is I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. So it's, it's grammar. I'm not the grammar detective, which for the record, I want a history show. Rob black grammar detective. Bong. Like I, I go back in history and find out all the great grammar mysteries. I'm kind of a big deal. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's refreshing to talk about love. It's refreshing to talk about money and relationships. Um, I'm hoping you're having a great time in life because I think that's super important. Um, and I think money sen- tends to complicate things. And I think having a better understanding earlier is, is the key. Um, one of the big questions I have from people that come to me I hear this a lot. I'm 50, 51, 52, 53, 54. Somewhere in that range, usually. I've got almost $2 million. And I have a house. 
can I afford to retire? I think work is a lifelong pursuit, and I want to retire too soon. I think love is a lifelong pursuit, and you can't quit that too soon. It takes work. So one of the things about retiring early is it's tough to get those engines fired back up. Um, $2 million, is that enough for you? You need to sit with a financial planner. And the financial planner is going to ask you a lot of questions. How old are you? What's your income? What's your assets? What's your liabilities? Do you have a spouse? Do you have an ex-spouse? Are you getting an inheritance? Is your spouse getting an inheritance? Do you have kids? Do you want? Are you paying for their college? Are you not paying for their college? Do you want to leave them an inheritance? Not financial planning is a little more complicated, and it requires some thought. But one of the things I see is people want to retire too early. Um, how much is enough to retire? You might remember Susie Orman at some point in time changed the number to five million, and that's a pretty good number. I'm not I'm not going to knock her on that. That's going to pay you two hundred thousand dollars roughly a year each year till the day you die. You can't. She can hide behind that because that's that's a pretty good number. Is it realistic? Not at all. If you see what the average American saving for retirement, those fidelity um, surveys. So there's a difference between. Being realistic and getting what you settle for. And I, I think a lot of people get what they settle for. So try to have more realistic numbers in your head and goals with you and your spouse. Um, and just enjoy. Let's not fight about love. I remember, he, what won't he do? I've already forgot what me love won't do. Oh, he won't stop dreaming of you. A little anticlimactic, what did he just say? Who names their kid Meatloaf? <laughs> he was a nickname. He's actually got a horrible name. He's got one of those names when you hear it, it like makes uh, horses scream. And now you're saying, really? Michael Lee a day is Meatloaf's real name. Michael Lee. Meatloaf. I get it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Listen to this quick fact about love. Remember when we used to go to bars or... Shop, uh, we'd go get groceries and we'd like, try to like make eye contact with a loved one. Now it's all about the social networks and then the networks under the social networks, like the tenders and the, you get the idea, but the number of social network users worldwide has hit 3 billion. That's a lot of people. The four leading networks, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. I'm kind of okay. Snapchat's there, you know, um, Instagram is Facebook, right? And, you know, Facebook once tried to buy Snapchat. So you kind of see where this is going. Local social networks in China and Russia are gaining users, and they're not really falling into the Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter area. So it's starting to get quite mature. 77% of Internet users globally will use a social network at least once a month. There's not a lot of growth there. As an investor, it's pretty well known. Demon known versus unknown. So when it's unknown, you can speculate both on the upside and the downside. But this is pretty well known. Emerging markets are where the fastest growing usage of social media is, like Africa and the Middle East. Are you brave enough to invest in Africa and the Middle East? There's a lot of questions about investing, aren't there? And you have to have some answers. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me at newfocusfinancial.com. 